It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is Hashtag Channel, a podcast about Discord with Ben and Steve. Well, actually, a hashtag means it's a channel. Get, get, where's my, where's, where's my switch? Where's my switch? Another one. Get to it. Battle reports, news shows, the fucking, the film podcast now. What show is this? What are we doing this time? What What show is this? This is the channel one, right? Yeah, you got it right though. Do I have to pick funny names for people? No, that's a news show, different show. Are we doing an AMA? No, news show. Oh God, why, like... You just have me podcasting day and night, Ben. I know. I it's like it's up. like it's like you're one of those lads who built the pyramids, isn't I it? I finally I finally understand what it's like to be working class. Exactly. <laughs> podcasting, the classic working class profession. <laughs> so, listeners, welcome to the There are more podcasters channel. in the world right now than coal miners. <laughs> <laughs> So the reason Steve is having that little lol about me being a slave driver is that I did call him yesterday and said, uh, mate, we've got two shows to record. <laughs> yeah, I apparently work for Ben now. Yeah, yeah. The, the salary is great. How, how, how much of that juicy patronage am I getting? Loads. <laughs> Pleasure. Min- I mean, minus whatever you contribute to the Patreon. I mean, I get kudos on the uh, Discord. So, so with this, though, I mean, you were the one who sort of pressurized me into doing the movie show. You were like really into it and that. So I don't even know where the idea came from. Did it just sort of, is it like the Iranian Burger Canal promo card? Like we sort of both, I mean, really it was my idea. But kind <laughs> yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. We, we sort of both Who's came first? up with it. On the credits, whose name comes first? You're before Uwe Rosenberg. <laughs> That's right. Outrageous. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, you know, you're out there, you're respected. People come up to you at conventions and go, hi, Ben. Um, who's this dickhead? You know what I mean? Hilarious, hilarious. Yeah, so welcome, hashtag channel. We'll get onto our main subject in a minute, but Steve's got a little bugbear because I bullied him on the Discord. Uh, <laughs> sorry, 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 before that, I was listening to our battle report coming over because I'm nothing if not an incredible narcissist. See, I assume that you listen to the whole thing right after editing it and before you post it with a misspelled oh, I listen to it. of the game. Mm-hmm. Look on the look on the website. It's I mean, not you really you you really just live in the moment. It's don't not you? misspelled at all. It's not misspelled at all. It isn't. You're accusing me of misspelling the episode. What Aldebar and Duel? Yeah, yeah. You misspelled it. I'll show you. I'll show you now. Oh, is that what you were doing in the bathroom? But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Will the new Will the new episode with the new title that was never changed? 
Uh, Aldebar and Jewel, it's spelled correctly. Will it be spelled correctly on my phone? Just where, because... Where I have already downloaded it. Just because Tim Cook's AI can't spell things correctly. Oh, look at that. Me. Look at that. Yeah. Real, real-time updating. What do you mean real-time? It was always spelled correctly. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> I feel like I'm being gaslit. <laughs> I'm turning the lights down one thing a day. Yeah, for, yeah, for the yeah. listeners, that's the play, Gaslight, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where the... Name, our listeners know the reference, Ben. You're talking about our do think, listeners. Do you think they know the reference, 1950s play Gaslight? They, they either do or they will pretend that they do. Oh, certainly. Certainly that. Anyway, so I was bullying you on the Discord and because... Yeah, because you're a bully. Yeah. Because you were You talk- have to diminish others to make yourself feel better. You were talking about... It's pathetic. <laughs> you don't think that's bullying? Calling I'm, me out on a public I'm standing, podcast. I'm standing up to a bully. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, stand is your ground. I come yeah, from I'm a stand, standing up to a bully. I come from a stand your ground state. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking, is New Jersey a stand your no, ground no, state? No, but Florida is. My mom lives in Florida. Okay. Anyway, so you were talking about playing through the ages. Yes. And I said to you, you need to talk about it on a video game channel. Yes, that was, that was a, a very, uh, it was a stunning quip. Yeah. It floored so, me. So... I'm going to ask you the question that I want you to ask me back. If you're playing, like, on BGA or an app... Vassal that people talk about. Vassal, yeah. tabletop simulator, yeah. stimulator. Um, <laughs> are you are you really playing a board game, do you think? I mean, this is exactly my question, Ben. If you're playing a board game online on one yeah. of these simulation tools, are you really playing a board game? Does it count as playing a board game? Or is it a... I don't want to say video game, but a, a digital game that it represents a board game. So, do you need the social component? And is the social component accurately captured by, you know, mediated interaction? Why did you get into board games? Um, God, I don't know. I mean, they were physically put in front of me and they were they were fun. And they were full of, like, hidden surprises. They're stimulating. There's, like, puzzles to figure out. I mean, everything that has to do with them being uh, in-person in life, present, but there was also not really any other option. Yeah, so I got into board games because I was in my mid-30s and I was looking for a social activity that didn't, you know, that wasn't going to the pub and drinking. Yeah, I mean, board games definitely doesn't involve drinking. Worked out really well, but... It turns out you can combine drinking with just about anything. (laughs) Including driving the school bus. So the thing is, I... So... There is a reason I don't play through the ages on the app. And I've discussed this many times, I think. You don't want to get better at it. That's not the issue. I don't want to get burnt out on it. I haven't yet. Yeah, so, I, don't think, I don't think you would, to be honest. Well, also... also did you play Civilization? I did play Civilization, yeah. Like, Could you conceive of burning out on that? Like, I think you could probably get tired of it after a day, but... You would never get tired of it permanently. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, because a game of through the ages doesn't take very long on the app, does it? Not particularly. It depends how many opponents you have. Or if you're, if you're playing with real people or just the uh, AI. And also, so so. firstly, I don't want to get burned out on it. But secondly, I love sitting around a table. And the whole... That, that to me, is part of the experience. Though I think board games as an art form should be appreciated as mechanical devices. It doesn't have to be either or, though, does it? No, of course it doesn't. But I mean, it's, how often do you get to play through the ages? Well... I I could play it more if I requested it more, yeah. right? But it's it's all about it's all about so it I guess I'm a theater actor, right? And so there is something intangible about a communal sort of brain connection. 
that you can't get from an app. The when you're so being on stage, you can tell. And it's not through sort of obvious, demonstrable reactions. But you can tell if the audience are into the show you're doing. This is what I always loved about going to the theater. Just being somewhere where, like, there are... Like, it's different than going to the movies, right? Because there are real human beings there. And it creates an entirely different kind of uh, frisson. And there's this idea, you know, that for a game to be fun, that you have to be going... and woo-woo and standing up and rolling dice. It's just not true. You can have a very intense, very silent interaction between four people around a table. That from the outside, this is why, this is why, you know, photos of conventions don't convey conventions. Because or photos of people playing games don't convey that thing. Because you see people with these sort of they look either angry or bored, staring at a table. Mm. And you think, my God, that looks so boring. These people look so bored. But they're not. They're intensely thinking. I, I see this as leading toward you taking the, the Tory position that all technology is bad. No, I think technology is great. I wouldn't be able to disseminate your great wisdom to the world if we didn't have technology. It's just something, In I, board games. something I admire about board games mm. is the fact that they're willfully analog. What about the board games that require usage of an app? Depends on like the u- hybrid. Depends on the usage of the app. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, I'm I'm not against anything on principle. Mm-hmm. You've got to try it before you can decide whether you like it or not. But there is something willfully. It, it's something. Look at the whole milieu of board games. Right. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it's willfully analog. Mm-hmm. In a way that the society is running away digitally, right? Does, AI does it, is now the big thing. Does it need to be? I mean, can you imagine uh, a future, and maybe for you this would be a dystopia, in which basically there doesn't seem to be a need to you have publish... A gla- you have your- a glass-top table with generic sure. electronic or, like, components. You put on the Apple goggles. Right. You don't actually have to publish this shit anymore. You don't have to, like, manufacture things in China and ship it overseas. And now, I might I might sound incredibly Malthusian here, but I think there is... The reason people love board games is that they're willfully analog. That they get you around a table with people, that you're into interfacing with wood and even even especially when you're with me well indeed um plastic components and and you're you're manipulating the thing about board games computer games do all of they do, the, all, the, they, all, they do all the tabulation for you for you whereas yeah. board games you're manipulating that yourself it's it's hands-on it's why people like handmade shit it's why people like to see their coffee made and not come and out the computer, of the machine. and the computer doesn't cheat doesn't make mistakes right and which you know you don't want to cheat or make mistakes in a board game but it does take away a little bit of the human edge the thing is we are human we were evolved as as well, we I, are I like and this. so unless we move to a next stage of evolution it's the we become silicon beings and live in the cloud board games give us something ineffably human right yeah ben maddox at the vanguard of human evolution well it's like it's like sport right Mm. people are very resistant to technology in sport because there's this feeling that it somehow takes away especially in refereeing that it somehow takes away from the the human quality of where you're not allowed to use Technology and there's there's some where they always use it. I mean, I, I don't remember. I mean, I know American football. They, I think that they, in order to determine if you've gotten a first. This down, is Steve pretending he knows yeah, something about sports. I don't. I don't. I know fuck all about sports. I I remember hearing things 
uh, oh, they used to do this and now they do that. Or like, uh, it, it's got to be up to the referees. Even if they had a camera, they can't use the, the footage. So like whatever it is you see on TV, the referees aren't looking at it. I don't know. Somebody who knows about this shit, just write it on the Discord. I so, so also write. I like this topic because it's not precisely black and white. And in part, I'm just I'm very curious about this online board game scene because people constantly talk about it. They will even say it's better to play certain games on tabletop. So I can think of a, I can arena. think of a game that is better to play on board game arena than it is around a table. What? Can't stop. Okay, why? Just because... We did, we did uh, during we, the pandemic. Yeah, 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 just because it just seems... Board Game Arena especially, I'm going to talk about Tabletop Simulator. I think Tabletop Simulator is an out-and-out failure, essentially. I've never looked at it, so. it. It's no fun. Because it tries to simulate a tabletop and you have to pick shit up and it doesn't really work. And Anyway, but there's something about the just... the fiddliness of passing the dice. I mean, it takes longer if you're mm. playing it in real time than it does with BGA. It sounds a bit like special pleading, though, for this one particular No, that's just an example. So, so the point is, are you playing a real board game if you're playing on the app? If you're playing the Carcassonne app, the Ticket to Ride app, the Through the Ages app? I don't think you are, mm. right? That's not to condemn it. If that's what you're fucking into, that's fine. I don't think you're playing the board game, though. But I do believe that you have to... Yeah, but understand. The game, you're saying that the game is in somehow is somehow captured. The essence of the game resides in its physicality. Absolutely, because I think some people would argue that the essence of the game isn't its physicality. It is uh, the mechanisms. It's abstract mechanisms. Yeah, like I could I could like I could build you um, a through the ages right now with like some random cubes and some pen right. and paper, right? Um, and it would be the same game essentially. Yeah, but you would have to say that it's different. For if I did that, you would have to be able to say that those two things are different. Yes. Because if the essence of the game is in the mechanics, then you can have a digital representation, which is the same game. Yes. But this, but but the thing is, if you have a digital representation, especially like an app, I'm not talking about Vassal or Tabletop Simulator. Um, BGA sort of straddles the two. But if you're talking about an app, as I said, this you're doing the bookkeeping yourself. That is a very... That is a very typical thing about board games that digital games don't offer you, the ability to do that. You don't have to set it up. You don't have to put it away. Uh, the Through the Ages app in particular, it has like many different modes you can yep. play in that don't exist in the board game. So and, and it's so actually like more game than the board game. The thing is... The and thing, the entire world of competitors that you have available. The thing is, I think you... So, so board games for me are a local medium too, mm. right? I think there is... So I know a lot of people on the internet, but they don't become solid people until I meet them in person. I think that's something intrinsically human. And I, and it's the same. I could play Carcassonne on the app and then come to play it as the, as the board game. I don't think I've played the board game until I've played it on mm-hmm. the table. I think people are often looking for interchangeable competitors. They don't care about the actual people sure. behind the avatar. Well, also they're looking for the opportunity to play. And because get better. So there's there's lots of factors. I know people who've only played certain games on online. Yeah, there's lots of factors as to why people may search for an app. Often, simply because if you, if you look at the massive boom in online role playing, which blows my mind because I've tried it and I, I find it a completely like over Zoom. Yeah, yeah, and I find it a completely sterile experience. Mm. It's because people just want to do it and the people around them in meat space are yeah. fucking unreliable, right? Yeah. And, and and then if the app is compelling enough, it compels you to play it. But then you also have to understand the ramifications of that. 
I mean, you could live it, in the middle of nowhere um, and have nobody to play with. You could have kids and it's just too hard for you to get out. But, but the point is... Your only you, options are digital games or solo games. You might have to <clears throat> resign yourself to the fact that you don't get to play through the ages in person again. Or if you do, you don't get to enjoy it. Mm. Because now you've played through the ages many, many more times than me. Because you've played it on the Cuck app. Yeah. And... So I don't know how much better I'm getting at it, to be honest. I mean, you you are like, I was listening to the battle report coming over and you are sort of Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. So, I mean, you're going to be better than me anyway. I'm but, not, I mean, play against famed board game designer Isaac Shalev. Right. You may, you may be incredibly superior to me. And it's like that thing if you play tennis. If two people of the same standard play tennis with each other, they have a great time. If two people if fairly uh, massively disparate play together, it's do you know terrible the, for both. Do, do you know right? what the, the app gives you that you don't get in real life, not as easily. It, it, it gives you all the data about what's going on in the game. Sure. Like the complete game state, like what cards you're using. Uh, I think like what's been played. You can always like, you can always look at everything that is um, like that you could know in the game. All the information that could be available is in various screens. But I never look at that stuff. Uh, I think famed board game designer Isaac Shalev does and it makes him more competitive. I mean, but, he can he can weigh in on this on his own, as I'm sure he will. But do you know do you know uh, what but it does? I, but but I think that that stuff probably makes you good at playing the app version of the game. But you can't. Carry I wonder it. if that translates to the table. I'm sure I, it must to some degree. I, I think a little bit. Like probably working with the card display, you get better at that. You know, you get you simply understand how the game functions better. You know what. What should I go for? What shouldn't I go for? How? I mean, I think through the ages, it's a game in which you have to be incredibly opportunistic. Yes. And, and you need to know how to, how to play that row of cards. Um, but it's probably not the only way that you can get better at the game. Like, I know that Isaac likes to optimize for what resources he's producing for, like, which things that he wants to build. And I, I never, never go there mentally. But, but do, you know, do you know what it doesn't give you? Right? This beautiful face sitting. I mean, look at this. I've just had a shave today. Because it's Valentine's Day as we record this, so you know you look you look ten minutes younger. Exactly. So so you're playing through the ages, mm. and you know you're about to declare war on a person in the next round. Mm-hmm. What it doesn't give you, what an app will never give you, is that sitting there with the cards in your hand, knowing you're going to do that. Oh, it that, doesn't that give fucking you, war of culture that I does, played against you the first time. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. <laughs> It doesn't give you that wonderful anticipation of their facial expression when you put the card down and you go, you, you fucker. Apps will never give you that. It will never give you that instantaneous sort of look of fear, rejection, and and focus that you get when you go, right, how the fuck am I going to fix this? Apps will never give you that intense, valuable human connection. Do you Depression. think a lot of players just aren't looking for that, or are they in denial about the fact that they're I, 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 not looking for that? I think I think both can be true. I, I, I and you know you see instances, and I don't think this is the sole reason, but you see instances of sort of depression and stuff rising, and anxiety rising, and it's because you can't get away from us as animals, and we're supposed to be in groups, and. Capitalism. I think it's a capitalism thing. I think companies, whether it's deliberate or whether it's just a, uh, it's a happy chance mm. that companies want us to be isolated because that 
gives us a gap within our, for want of a better term, I don't know soul. They, I don't know if they want us to be isolated. I, th- I think it serves their interests. It just happens to serve their interests. Well, well that if we have right. a hole inside us, we want to fill it with things. Because so, it usually gets filled with human interaction like and it gets filled yeah, with fucking the, exactly, trinkets and bullshit. It's the attention, you know? attention economy, yeah. right? So, I mean, one reason I don't get into um, digital board games, I, I think... Is like in my mind, I've just categorized board gaming as a social activity. Yeah. And if I were to play digital board games, it would feel to me like it's at the expense of social activity somehow. Right. Because like you're I taking. Already, I already spent enough time like on my phone and looking exactly. at screens. Which is is partly another reason why I love games because yeah. they're willfully analog. All right. So that was interesting, Steve, wasn't it? Yeah. But we want to hear from you. I'm pointing at the mic. Should we move on to the next section? And that indicates that if you're in the Discord. Yeah. So do people who listen to the hashtag channel show? Are they patrons? Or is this no. going, is this going on the Christ m- on a bike? This one's on the main feed. I know you're exhausted what? from all the podcasting work you've been doing. What isn't on the main feed? Isn't on the main feed. Film show? Okay. Battle reports. Okay, everything else is on the main, main feed, baby. So we're trying to like pull people into the Discord. Yeah. www.5g4d.com. You don't need the www.5g4d.com. Boom. 5g4d.com. Yeah. And uh, click the pin post yeah. at the top of the page of that website, which is uh, an invitation link, a permanent invite, your permanent invite. I'm pointing at the mic again to join us in the most scintillating board gaming community on the internet. It's good. Webs. It's good. It's very intellectual. We like the intellectual dark web, aren't we? I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding. Are you like the Sam Harris of the board game media sphere? Mm, is is that is that praise or damning with faint praise? I don't know. Well, let's move on to. After altogether too much consultation with the greatest minds in the world of topics, we present this month's topic. All right, so this topic was a Stephen Cyrex suggested topic, so you could tell that it was the sort of airy intellectual side. I don't even remember which one. It so was. much so that a lot of people's a lot of people's responses. Yep on the channel wasn't like a response to the question. It was, uh, what do you mean? That was a lot of responses. Why do you have to be like this? Because <laughs> you're just too clever for all of us, Steve. So like, what what question would you ask? What would be your question of the month? Huh? What? Do you what? love it? Do what? you love it? Professional podcaster. They do can't see it? the scare quotes. Scare quotes? Yeah. Why is it scare quotes? I don't know. They call them scare quotes. I call them inverted commas, but there we are. They're like, they do it like this in German. Yeah, like he, he's doing the down. German. It's, I hate the German inverted they, but they, commas. They, even when they're doing it, they do it like this. Do they? I think they do. They, they go like this. Ooh, like, like, this. You're, like yeah. you're fucking feeding a horse. Yeah, like anyway, so the question was, Steve, is there such a thing as an authorial voice in games? Oh, yeah, this one. I think this sparked quite a lengthy discussion, didn't it? Well, yeah, most people go in, oh, what do you mean? Which designers not tr- not have true. the strongest voices? True. Is it a black mark against you to not have a distinctive voice? So, so, Stevie. Hmm. I'm going to ask you this because a lot of people were asking this. What do you mean by authorial voice? I think if you watch certain films or read certain books, you can detect uh, uh, a voice, a consistent voice, um, the the mark of the artist somewhere in a, in, the, in a distinctive style that comes out. Um, in in any given in genre, and I'm wondering, does this exist in games? Right, like if you watch, like we're gonna watch an Ingmar Bergman film. Yeah. Right. I'm sure if you watch all of his films, you could say that they're they're all of a piece somehow, even if they're on different 
uh, topics. So this could be technically, it could be thematically. Like I think David Fincher, I think he's got like a a vibe, right? He does have a vibe. Alfred Hitchcock's got a vibe. Charlie Kaufman has a vibe. Joseph Heller has a vibe. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, do you know, I was thinking about this. John Milton. Why people were confused. And do you think if you'd have asked the question in German rather than English, I mean, obviously, I think most of the people I've had at school don't speak German. I don't think so. But would Germans have less of a problem grasping the concept? I didn't think about it. Why? Why would they? Because board game designers aren't called board game designers in German. What are they called? They're called board game authors. Board game authors. Okay. And so... And so those... Stimme des Autors. Right. Those two concepts intimately connected. Because we'll get to a post that someone talks about mm. later, which I think highlights... I mean, I, I feel like... A this, sort of Western Anglophone yeah. attitude to what the designer's job is. I, I, I think that if we're going we're gonna to carry on with this argument that board games are art, then there must be an uh, uh, authorial voice that you can identify um, so, so look at this, the games of like like Uwe Rosenberg. Uh, by the way, we're gonna get to Reiner Knizia, and I think he he does and he doesn't. But uh, Uwe Rosenberg, he certainly seems to. Vladimir Shvatel certainly seems to have this authorial voice. Um, the Splatter guys have an authorial voice. Lacerda, sure. Lacerda definitely does. So, so I think it's I think it's fascinating that I think there is a resistance. So when I interviewed Inka Brandt all those years ago, I asked her if board games were art. Mm-hmm. And she said no. I mean, you could look at them as simply craft. Com- yeah, yeah, exactly. Just there, you compose them. You don't. So I so, don't know. You, so, maybe design, not compose. Right? You design and publish. There, there, there's something that a a company pieces together and puts out into the world as a product, not as somehow representative of one person's creative genius. Or but whatever. is that not art? Is art? Is that conception of what art is completely anachronistic? Does it come from the age in which a lot of artists were gentlemen and didn't have to fund themselves through their art? They could be amateurs when an amateur wasn't a sign of skill. It was a sign of status because you weren't so grubby as to be paid. And I, I feel that that appends itself to the concept I, I think, of art. And that's, that seems incredibly anachronistic to me. I think, art I think our concept a, of art is like very much influenced by the romantics of the 19th century. This idea that uh, artistic production comes from inspiration or something like that. But the point is, I the think artist has creative genius, independent creative genius, untethered to any any influence. But all, but again, you're looking at Byron, you're looking at Keats, you're looking at those kind of people who were aristocrats essentially, who didn't need to work, and yet, and and people like Pope were looked down upon. Sure, because they were grubby people yeah, who they, made they, money yeah. from their art. But that's a, that's anachronistic, no? No, I, I, mean, I agree. It's anachronistic. I mean, yeah. if you look at, I was listening to a podcast about. But we we assume that our our like you know our our idea space is uh, eternal somehow. The way we think about things is the way people always did. Yeah, of course we do. It's pa- the, painting wasn't considered. It's an the art. chauvinism of the modern day. Se- right? Centuries ago, painting. I mean, you you don't consider someone who paints. Uh, um, a, you know, paints a painting, you know. Well, Titan was considered the, the same, a craftsman, wasn't he? Huh? Titan That's what I'm trying to say. Like, if you... T- Titan, yeah. Yeah. If, if you hire someone to paint your wall, it's not the same thing as, like, you know, painting the birth of Venus. But in, in that time period... What about William... It would have been considered but, very similar. But what about William Morris? Who, Arts, Mr. Arts and Crafts. Whose, whose whole... 
whose old MO was decorating yeah, walls. Yeah, I'm just saying and that... people consider that I, I'm just saying that ideas themselves and concepts have a, a historicity to them. So you could argue, I think, that art is essentially craft with an authorial voice. What, oh. what, what makes William Morris art and not just wallpaper? Well, because William Morris has a very definitive authorial style, No. I think if we get into like the general question of what is art, we'll be talking for hours. All right, so I'm going to move does on. Does board gaming partake of this conversation at all, I think, is what we're interested in. I think it absolutely does. But anyway, we're going to move on to Ufaga. And I can do an impression of him because he's You've from, met him, right? He's from Stroud, you know. Stroud, where's Stroud? Gloucestershire. Okay, you can do like a, a Gloucestershire accent. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. You can do accents with that kind of precision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's hear it. All right, my lover. Oh, you have a friend who tends to obsessively focus... This is every voice you do in D&D. <laughs> no. This is Gloucestershire. This is it's specifically Stroud. So how does this read? Like Country Bumpkin or something? That's what they sound like in Gloucestershire, Okay, yeah. okay. Oh, you have a friend, my lover, girl lush. <laughs> who t- I'm going to get through this. Who tends to obsessively focus... This is quite a long quote as well. Yeah. Who tends to obsessively focus on a designer's work. Rather than make more measured judgments on whether a game has value, he automatically jumps on a designer's back catalogue. Don't know how he... Uh, depends how tall it is, I suppose. Or latest offering play, placed, based purely on the success of a previously it's enjoyed like title. Just as shallow. Some authors <laughs> achieve remarkable consistency. Mm. What's the example he, he uses there, do you think? Shakespeare. Uwe. Or have published numerous hits, allowing them do to... Do you say a- Authors. Yeah, he uses authors okay. for game designers. Or have published numerous hits, allowing them to accumulate credit. Who's he used there? What example does he use there? Uh, was it, would this be Knizia? Yes, Knizia, okay. yeah. But most haven't. My friend always seems surprised and or disappointed when, his, when this rationale fails. Perhaps it's unfair to apportion onus. It's a bit like anus, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Solely to the author for the success of a game. When so many games seem to lack identity in this postmodern stroke silver age, post-golden, he asks. Hmm. Do we look to flagship designers to steer us out of this malaise? I, I suppose I would answer the concluding question with no, but where are we in a malaise? You know, it's interesting. Um, the way he describes the production of games is the way I was attempting to describe the uh, production of plays in my never completed dissertation. Yeah. So I was kind of making an argument that, well, one of my fundamental presuppositions is that you don't look at the text as being solely the work of one person, Shakespeare, but as uh, the product of, like, let's say a lot of workshopping, right? right? Uh, you can't simply say that the, the actors had no, no input, no involvement, because we, we actually have no idea what his intention was. He didn't publish it himself. Any, sure. any of these plays, and many of them exist in multiple versions, in quartos, there's a folio version. There's no, like, single text for Hamlet, for King Lear, that we could say, like, this is the definitive version. It doesn't exist. Uh, there is no even concept of a, of a text with an author from this period. So, I mean, it could be very similar, right? Like we have chosen to uh, create this idea of like a coherent work of art right. with a single author, but it isn't actually the way things work in the real world. It's just convenient for us to think about Well, it depends, it, right? doesn't it? So I, I think, so the reason we apportion things to single authors is because we're human. It's that idea that, you know, you hear that one person dies, it's a tragedy. 
and you hear that 10,000 have died as a statistic yeah, because we focus, the, the creative genius we focus idea. on the yeah. individual. Also, we like the idea because I think essentially we're an optimistic, aspirational well, we animal. Like, we like it. We'd like it now. Then it would have been inconceivable to take credit for. Really? Yeah. I mean, you I, don't think you don't the, think the, the idea of the author like emerged at this time. You don't think Marlowe? Christopher Marlowe, coming from a different milieu, an aristocratic I milieu. This, I think he did you it don't for think money. You, but you don't think he... Or for a laugh, maybe. He asserted, probably more of a laugh with him, but yeah. asserted some sort of pride in, is that the face that launched um, a thousand ships? You know, Maybe some sort of, but the, the idea that we have of what an author is, like a... A signed work, right? This didn't exist at the time. So, so I think it was, it was just emerging. So I think it's interesting that you have that that all sort of art forms, since since people started taking games really seriously, which I, I would say is sort of. Mm. <sighs> but you know, your example of, of Doctor Faustus is a good one because um, it's a derivative work, right? And this is another important point. Um, a lot of what we consider to be original work is, in some sense, derivative, and if it's not like obviously derivative because it's just a version of some other story someone else has told then you know you exist in a, a kind of cultural milieu and you're drawing on various influences to, to put of together course. your your own you know your unique contribution we're all of us standing on the shoulders of giants yeah exactly. right. nothing is entirely new right uh, and this is especially the case for board games like you couldn't imagine a board game that comes like ex nihilo right because any like most board game designers are avid board game players themselves sure and they will come up with a game that is like somewhat reminiscent. And when was the last time? When was the last time a genuine original mechanism came? An original mechanism. I mean, they all seem to be like De- deck building. Maybe. I mean, but even deck building, like Magic: The Gathering, is also deck. Building. I, I think that's a spurious argument that everyone bloody uses. Magic: The Gathering is not the same as Dominion. Uh, but it's, not, it's not the same. But I mean, like, you no, can't it's say completely that, different. You can't, say, you, you can't say that they're not related. Well, I mean, Donald, Donald X. Vaccarino says they're related, but I... I it doesn't even matter what he says. It's I'm, like, I'm Roland Bart on this. I don't think they are related. But the, but the point is, I think you're making an argument that a board game is an inherently collaborative experience in the same way people argue we shouldn't put so much onus on the director of a movie because... I mean, you could. You could because they're collaborative yeah. things, right? But I think... To a greater or lesser degree, you can argue that they are and they aren't. Where, 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 where do the boundaries of a game end? Like, for example, we are co-designers of Oranian Burger Canal, right? Yes, yes. So before that card that we designed existed and yeah. completed the game and made it playable. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, what was that game? And now that the card exists, well, what is what is it now? So it was. Has it, has it changed? It was a sort of fairly, barely functional yeah. sort of hack work. Yeah, you wouldn't even really want to own it. And now it's the King Lear of board games. Yeah, exactly. So, so the point is, though, I think I have heard... So if you ever meet me in public, I'll tell you this, but I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names on a public medium. But I have heard tell, because I know people within the board game industry of designers submitting designs and the thing you get in the box as a customer is completely different. Completely different. It has been completely reworked by the developer. Right? Not just reskinned. No, 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 completely different. Maybe there was one sort of central core idea and everything else is different. Then I think it would be very difficult to argue 
that the splotter guys are in a process of deep collaboration. You can't attribute the ethos, the design ethos to their games because they seem very singular mm. and and very particular. And also... They do have playtesters, though. Sure, you have playtesters, but... So this is interesting. I was thinking about playtesters when you were talking. And it, it playtesters are fascinating, right? Because to what degree... So I was reading... I was reading a biography of Derek Parfit, the famous British philosopher. And when he was writing his second book, he would send every chapter to a hundred different philosophers mm-hmm. who would write notes and send yeah. them back. And then he would work on those notes, it's right? Normal, Meticulously. Think, yeah. Does that mean Derek Parfit didn't come up with those ideas? Does that mean Derek Parfit didn't author the book? Well, I, I don't think this is necessarily like an interesting or important question. I'm not like denigrating any particular type of work by saying it emerged from a collaborative process. It just sounds like the point Ufaga is making... Like I, I think this is the way art is produced. But and does that does to that, say that we're like in a, a we're in a malaise right now does that because ne- of that? Does that negate the notion of an authorial voice? Because as as opposed to a book, which also goes through the hands of an editor. Apparently, yeah. Raymond Carver, Raymond Carver's very sparse prose. If you read the unedited versions, is very flowery, and his author was merciless. And you know the the uh, the history of um, the poems of Emily Dickinson. The original, when they were first um, published, they were like heavily edited, right? Because her poems, they're not like perfectly metered. They don't rhyme. Mm. And when they were first published, the editor thought that they needed to be because she wrote in a very distinctive style that right. was just un- uncommon and not done at that time. Uh, and it was only later that the originals were published. At, well, the the poems in their original forms were published. Uh, they definitely do have an authorial voice. We can get into whether or not like his versions represent an entirely different version with a different voice, or even like translations. Like, do translations manage to capture an authorial voice if they're going if you're going from one language to another? I mean, I don't know. These are interesting questions, and it's it's why I asked. I don't have a clear answer. So let's move on to Scott Hill. Okay. Closely related to Scott Valley. King of the I think most designers I I, I think he's American. What what American accent should I do? How many American accents can oh, you do? all of them? Um, let's do Kentucky. Okay. I think most designers have a very clear and distinctive voice. He's put inverted this commas like there. minus one patron. It comes in the form of the mechanics they choose, the degree to which they integrate the theme into those mechanics, and how they link various subsystems of the game together. So he's doing the argument, which, which was mm-hmm. my, when you suggested this to me, and I thought that's a good topic. Mm-hmm. I have this thing that games are mechanical art forms and the authorial voice comes with the mechanisms and how they are combined, I, I, right? I, I, I think I agree. An Uwe um, Rosenberg game feels like an Uwe Rosenberg yeah. game, not because of the Clemens Franz art, but because of the mechanisms, no? Yeah, yeah. No, I sure. Um, the, the one point, though, that I want to dig into further is the integration between theme and mechanics. Okay. Do we need that? Because I think a lot of Uwe Rosenberg games have the, the mechanical bit down. Like, oh, this is clearly a Nuve Rosenberg game. How integrated are they with their I theme? think he's one of the great... And how th- much do they need I to I think be? he's one of the great thematic Euro games designers. Consistently across all of them. I mean, some, like, some, more, Odin, I felt, some more than others. But I, th- I felt it was very thematic. I sort of wondered, could you basically eliminate the theme and you would still have the game? Halatau? That crop rotation mechanic. And I love the crop rotation. Is incredibly thematic. Yeah. I think Uwe Rosenberg. I think Uwe Rosenberg. Even to the point does, does where does he start with the theme? And then, I have no idea. Yeah. But even to the point where 
Agricola, mm. you're putting out fences and you're putting sheep in and you're fencing in those sheep. That's incredibly thematic. I mean, I feel, right? I, I'm not disagreeing. It feels thematic to me. Um, I wonder how other people think about this. Like, you could you could do away with the theme and still have the game. Is so the I, point I, I'm trying to make, like War of the Ring, you couldn't like, really. Well, the new the new fight for Arrakis is just into the backers' hands now. You know, I backed it and then I canceled my yeah. pledge because, like, I don't need a 300 euro game that I'm going to play like once. Right. But if you have it and you live in Berlin, and people are talking, ping about me. It. People are talking about it now. And positively, you know, I don't know. Uh, I just, I've just seen photos of people. We're about to start playing. Blah blah blah. So maybe. Mm. So he's given a list of designers, and I want you to tell me on a. I want you to have a bit of a public rank. You love ranking everything, don't you? Yeah, love it. I got told off the other day for doing tier lists on my streams. Why? Because they told me games weren't about ranking. Uh, tier lists? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't watch your streams, so I don't know what you're doing. So. Who told who told you off? Some lad, some lad on YouTube. Fucking, you fucking. Anyway, so. Stick me on them. So, I'm going to give you the name of the designer. Mm. And I want you 10 super distinctive authorial voice. Yep. Zero. They could just be any other bloody designer. Right. Well, I have heard of all of these people. I think you you definitely heard of all of them. And I think you have played. There's one whose designs I haven't played, I mean, but you have, I think. I mean, this is a list of people that was selected. Scott Hill. Scott picked them because he, they thinks, have author- he thinks they have authorial voices. Okay. So basically, if you don't... You're asking me to contradict Scott. If you don't have high marks, you're telling Scott he's a bullshitter. Is he a patron? Yeah, he is, yeah. Okay. I mean, I agree. New. I think he gets a nickname in the next news episode. Oh, when is that? Well, this can I, week. Can I, can, I, can I go home first? No, no. <laughs> I don't want to go back to the. As room. you, as you know, both of us are in the fucking big KS dungeon, and we have been since we went to Dusseldorf, and he hasn't let How us go. How many podcasts does he need? He needs all of them. All right. So, I mean, I'm sat next to go in the next room. There's bloody Tom Vassell in there. KS is on top of everything. So, Vital Lacerda. Distinctive authorial voice yeah. on a scale of one to ten. Yeah. So this is not a quality. This is not whether you like them or not. Whether you think they have a distinct. No, no, I, I, I understand. Um, I'm just trying to think whether, like, across his games, there is a, a consistent authorial voice. I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, the themes are very different. Um, he definitely likes to create these highly involved, interchanging. I mean, thematic, thematically, he feels like, you know, he's got those, you know, those verb, those those word dice that you roll? Mm, yeah. I, it, that's what... That's interesting. He just rolls these dice and it says, monkey cats on Mars. Was it, was it famed word game designer Isaac Shalever or someone else who, who pointed out the way he likes to, like, deconstruct a process or something? Yeah, yeah, someone like A lot of that. In he's very clever. Famed board game designer Isaac Shalever. I mean, uh, I'm kind of a little sick of him, to be honest. What, the, being did, cleverer than you? Yeah. Like, fucking it's a bit much, isn't thinks it? Thinks he's so smart. Yeah. Did you know, I went on, when Uli used to do a stream, yep. I went on Uli's stream. Yeah. And then two weeks later, Isaac went on Uli's stream. And yeah. do you know what I... Uli said live on the stream to Isaac. Something insulting toward you? This was the best episode we've ever done on this stream. You're never... Two weeks two weeks before I was on that bloody stream, Steve. You're, you're never letting him on this show. Unless KS, you know, wants to... Dictate. All right, so... Add him to the collection. Come on, come on. We can't be here all day. Give us a mark out of ten. Um, I'm Public s- rank. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Eight. Okay, because nice there, one. There's, there's enough differentiation that I don't think he... I don't know. I don't know if 10 is good, by the way. 
So Well, it's just distinct authorial voice. This is yeah. not a qualitative I don't know what I'm doing. Eight. Uwe Rosenberg. Oh God, the guy likes farmy games and you know flipping over tiles and that and polyominoes stuff. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Feld. Ten. <laughs> he is Mr. Point Salad, right? I think I, I think his games feel like Stefan Feld games. Like very, very much. And I, I they feel like they're complex but very simple. I think he's I think he's a wonderful designer, Stefan Feld. I don't think every one of his games is a Hits, smash hit though. No, because he publishes a lot, but I think if you look at the archetypal Stefan Feld title. I mean, what do I like better than Trajan? Castle Burgundy? Yeah, that's good. But okay, besides those two. Um I really love Amerigo. I haven't played it. I've got it. We can play it. Today? No, I haven't got it with me. It's a bloody huge box. Oh. Uh, I've got Amsterdam. I still haven't played that. Oh, we should play that as well. Cole Worley. Hmm. Does he have a distinctive authorial voice? I mean, he hasn't published that many games. I guess this is interesting because his games are pretty distinct, right? I think they're incredibly distinctive, yeah. So I suppose having an authorial voice doesn't mean that all of your games need to like feel like they're by the same designer right because individually individually they have a very strong voice i think i think his games feel very similar i think mechanically i think well you 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 tell me that they're generally i think they're generally mechanically very simple Mm -hmm. i think because i would i would definitely say for him like like 10 in the sort of like distinctiveness i think he's for good and ill Mm. i think he's concept forward so when I had okay. my when what, I had, what are the similarities you see between like Infamous Traffic, Pax Premier, John Company, the fact Oath, that the and, fact that there's uh, almost Root. the fact that there's almost no mechanisms. Root is quite is a bit different, but the Root is kind of throwing me here. But they're very similar. I mean, if you look at Oath, it's a very very simple game, and and you look at. I thought Oath was like a box of components that you could get for designing your own game. Exactly. Well, if you look at if you look at Infamous Traffic, it's very simple. It's just, it, it has, so he, this is when I got into my argument with C.T. Noyan on my show. Mm. Well, argument, kind of. Um, Spirited debate. We were talking about the difference between cra- a craftsperson and an artist. Mm-hmm. And I think Cole Worley goes into it trying to create art. Sure. He's very concept forward. I think he sometimes. I mean, he's an academic. He would I think be. he sometimes forgets about mechanisms, frankly. Mm. Uh, Phil Eklund. Um. I think by reputation, he's probably... Yeah, like, I can't really talk to it because I've never played one of his games. Maybe like a nine, but I, I don't know if I've played anything. We've got to play uh, Pax Renaissance, though. Alban Viard. So I've played... Um, Town Center or whatever small, it's called? Small, small City. Yeah. I have Clinic, and I'd love to play that. They they look like they come from the same author, but I, I don't know if I can really say. I haven't played enough of his games. Seven. All right, so next one, Matt's serrated blade coat. I love the fact that he has got a very cool nickname. It's a cool nickname. But the only reason he has the nickname is because you'd used a serrated blade <laughs> earlier in the day to cut some bread. Hey, you never said how I need to come up with the name. So this is what I was referring to at the top of the show. It's an interesting question. Where, yeah, he, Matt Coates has got to be British, isn't he? Why? It just sounds like a British name, Matt Coates, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know. Any name could be American, Ben. So where does he come from, you think? Um, I'm a big fan of Yorkshire. E-bar gum. It's an... I have to do that to get into the accent. Okay. 
It's an interesting question because I think of board game design as more engineering than art. Not that it can't also be art, but the engineering is very central. With writers, directors, individual voice comes through in both what they're saying and how they're saying it. However, with board games, I feel like the how is much more important than the what. I think it's a perfectly valid point that he's making. I, I could see why he, he feels that way. Um, I have a hard time agreeing that it's only engineering because... Board games are not like a problem to solve. They present problems to solve for the players, but usually engineering is applied to solving a particular problem. Right. And there's obviously a like mathematical component, but there's a mathematical component to like music and painting as well. Sure. Know, proportion and, you know, your favorite uh, Greek Pythagoras. So so I, I think I think what's really interesting is when I asked, as I referred to earlier, Inca Brandt. Mm. Is our board games art? And she said no. But did she say that they're craft or what did she say that they I are? can't remember. Yeah. But my instinct is the reason she would deny that they were art is twofold. Firstly, she doesn't think of herself as an artist because that's mm -hmm. a very particularly loaded term. I, yeah, Whether no, positively. I don't, I don't know that Shakespeare thought of himself as an artist. Right. And also, also, there is this fitting things together. It's very difficult to argue that a car engine is art, right? Yeah. And and I think a lot of... But you know, Steve Jobs had all of his uh, engineers sign the inside of the first Macintosh computer right. because artists should sign their work. Right. So I think... So the thing is, I think it's... People think that games are about putting functioning cogs together to create a machine that runs. There's something more than that, though, because they inspire something within the player that is. Uh, 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 what's what's I mean, art? Art is what it's like a, a a made thing. Like it is artificial. It is created by humans. Um, what are, what are game designers doing when they sit down and design? Like what is that activity called? And what I love about the art form of games is they are an art form in which the artist is expressly trading in unforeseen so in unforeseen consequences right i mean is it so, arguable that games are less like art because they aren't exactly in most cases trying to deliver a message or well, multiple layers of i mean you look at you look like at you look at mondrian I mean, yeah. you look at the abstract art of the 20th century, the whole point was to remove message, right? Was to just... Oh, it doesn't stop people from writing to, articles about it. No, of course it doesn't. So the point is, right, as I said, games deal in unforeseen mm. consequences. The artist expressly wants unforeseen mm -hmm. consequences. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you have this notion, Brecht writing a play. I went to see the Thruppany Opera last year. And the whole last... How 20, much did it cost to get in? Oh, it's Berliner Ensemble, so it was like... 15 quid. Oh, more than Thruppany. Yeah. So so the whole last 20 minutes is this big socialist hymn, right? And so Brecht... Sounds tedious. Actually, it was brilliant. But I think I actually walked out on this show when I saw it performed in New York. But Brecht doesn't want un unintended consequences. Brecht, he also wants his audiences to suffer, I think. Yeah, but Brecht's purpose is to deliver a message. Yeah. Whereas game designers kind of want to go back to reading or watching people play their games six months after they've come out and go, I never saw that you could bloody do that, right? Mm -hmm. Games are in all unintended consequences. 
And I think that's a fascinating art form. I guess, I guess that makes games closer to abstract artists who I assume wanted the person coming to their art to bring the message rather than the artists themselves delivering it. Games do that. I think, I think game designers... Have you ever gotten a designer to say anything interesting on this particular topic? I don't think I've ever asked... How do they think about it? I don't think I've ever asked designers on this particular topic. But what's, what's fascinating, right, is many designers, especially German designers, and I think this is a, a, a factor of German designers being that it, that it is not an aristocratic hobby in the way that it can be in the Western world because a lot of people, mm-hmm. gentlemen designers, brilliant designers who who don't... I, I was I was talking to Tony Boydell on Facebook the other day. He is a gentleman designer. So he's a great example. I was talking about Richard Breeze and saying it's such a shame that he doesn't license his games out to other publishers because we played... This ironically was a license. Like Cathedral? We played Cathedral. Yeah. Cathedral shouldn't be this grail game that no one can play because it's bloody brilliant. He should, someone like Capstone Games would gobble that up and publish it in America because it's great. Maybe it, just, it doesn't occur to him? Whereas, I don't know. Yeah, because it's a kind of, even these brilliant paragons. Like for him, it's like a cottage industry. Yeah, it's kind of amateurish. And, and, and British games is quite like that. German, yeah, British, the British world is. German game designers are bloody professionals. Yeah. Mm. They work for professional companies, big publishing houses. And so their attitude towards their games are, are different, I guess. And, 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 and they they don't like... I don't want to get something wrong here. I, I guess Germans don't publish their own games, typically. They go to the conventions and they work the booths and they pitch yeah. and they pitch and they pitch. Look at Knizia. You see very few... Because also... My friend Reiner Knizia, by the way. Also, you know, Americans, it's all about you know pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, right? So... Kickstarter published games are dominated by American mm. companies, I would assume. And this Germ- is game publishing in the heroic mode. Yeah, and German German game designers feel like it's much more of a craft than an art, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I, say. it's more like communitarian somehow. All right, so moving on to Jim Krim, who's one of the finest minis painters I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, keep the images coming, Jim. Because they're very cool. Your work is amazing. I'm saying that because this is a little bit of a shit sandwich now. Mm. Because I'm going to disagree with what he says. Well, we're here for, like I said, spirited, spirited debate. debate. Yeah. So, so he'd say authorial voice is not that important. Mm-hmm. And the example I, he gives, I fundamentally disagree with. Many Reiner Knizzi games run smoothly and they could be anybody. Yet some designers' fingerprints are obvious, but often this has little bearing on how good the game is. So that second part is right. An author- a strong authorial voice. I think Oath is the most Cole Whirly game out there, and I think it's not very good. But most, why? Because it feels so conceptual. It's all about, like, all of the locations have these very, like, lifted out of a literature textbook. And it's all this idea about creating a narrative. And it's all, it feels like an academic. I want to go back to one of my arguments from a prior episode and say that potentially Root is his masterpiece. And Oath is the, it's like the thing that you do after your masterpiece when you're trying to, like, outdo yourself. Over the hills and through the woods by Hemingway, for instance. I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Something like that. Anyway. King Lear. King Lee is the best player ever. <laughs> but anyway, so he says that Reiner Knizia games could be anybody. I think that is so wrong. I think Reiner Knizia has this one defining characteristic. How, how, how do we even capture um, the, the qualities of someone who's published like 
6,000 well, games. Because because basically what you have to do, and this may be, and people will say, well, that completely invalidates your argument, and that's fine. But what you have to do with Kinesia is go, okay, we need to pick the fucking great ones. It's like I was watching a video last night about Klaus Kinski, and he did over 200 films. And I thought, I really want to watch Klins- Kinski. So what am I going to do? I'm going to focus on... To hang out with Uli more? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to focus on the Werner Herzog movies, because I think that... Mm. encapsulates what Kinski is as an actor, probably. Well, they're, they're like this combination. It's like um, Akira Kurosawa and uh, Toshiro Mifune, <laughs> right? I think um, uh, Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski had like the same, like one of these like famous duos exactly. in, in filmic history. And so you need to look at Kinesia with the great ones. And I think Kinesia has this one authorial trick. And I don't want to denigrate it by saying it's a trick, but it's an authorial device that he uses. Whether this is intentional or not, and I what asked the, the, the points in the lower category. Uh, <laughs> well, but I asked Kanitsi this, and I think he kind of agreed with me. But I was complimenting him, so who knows whether he thought of it before? Ja, ich stimme dir zu. We spoke in English, oh. but um, ja, I agree with you, Ben. Kanitsi is a wonderful observer, whether consciously or unconsciously, of the human mind and what it what levers it takes to pull to generate incredible experiences. Is that just good? The, the 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 quality of mind of a good designer, or does that indicate an authorial Knizia voice? does like, it particularly. Like what, what is the what is the voice? Did Knizia does it particularly brilliantly? If you look at his if you look at his great games, you look at modern art, high society, Stevenson's Rocket. These are games in which he manipulates the player behavior to generate fun. He mm. does this more than any designer I know. That is distinct, Knizia. The idea that they could be anybody, sure, I'm sure there's lots of games that could be, but... He he often designs games that that they feel like they can really stand the test of time, you know? Because what they are, what he understands instinctively, I think, as a designer, is that it's actually about human interaction. It is not about a beautifully tooled machine. Why, why, Why do so few of his games really, like, break out? Like, he doesn't really have hits, does he? He simply has like endurance or something. It, it's something about so so. I think a lot of I, I think there is a a journey. Like I, th- I think putting his name on the box is not going to sell. No, 50, I, I, because he fucking because he spunks his name on yeah. fucking every box, right? But the point is, and I just well, want the listeners to put that image in there. Extremely vivid. <laughs> so, he means that literally. So so. I think there's a gamer journey. It might just be me and my like, own. Like, does the authorial voice even make you want to buy a game? I mean, you keep going, but you'll buy any Uwe Rosenberg game that yes. published, right? And it must be for that reason. I can't think of any other I trust reason. him. I trust him. Yeah. So so the point is, Knizia, right? I think, so I'm going to tell you my story. And I think it's maybe, and if you can go on the Discord and you can tell me whether I'm talking out of my ass or not. They, I think, will, they will. I think it's often the story of many gamers. I got into games, and when I got into games around about 2011, 2012, the big names were Uwe Rosenberg, Stefan Feld in the Euro arena, right? Mm-hmm. And then Fantasy Flight with the with a behemoth standing astride Ameritrash gaming, right? And I went years and years, and I'd hear, I'd listen to podcasts, and I'd hear people talking about Kinesia, and I never got it. Mm-hmm. And there's a very good reason why I never got it. Which is? I'd never really played any of his games. Okay. None. I mean, I'm sure I had from time to time. Like, but the, the, the classics are considered what? Like uh, Samurai, Tigress and Euphrates. Modern Art. Uh, Through the Desert, Blue Lagoon. High Society. I don't think Blue Lagoon's considered a classic. Oh, I mean, there's like that, that group of games that are... The Orchin games are considered yeah. a classic. And, and then... Ah, Amun Ray. Then I started 
maybe sort of five, six years into my gaming career, I started playing Kanitsu games. For some reason, they sort of popped up. And once you play one, you're like, oh, I've got to play them all now. <laughs> Which you won't. And then you, I realized, oh, I see it now. Mm. I understand why he is held in such high esteem because these games are astonishing. I mean, he is a bit like... The Shakespeare of modern board gaming. I think he's the greatest living designer, right? Well, he he is, but he's also a businessman. And he's out there to sell product. And Shakespeare was out there to sell product. And the same person who wrote Hamlet and King Lear also wrote The Comedy of Errors and The the Two Noble Kinsmen or whatever. The point is, the person who painted the the persistence of time was a fucking hack. It's just an incredibly good hack. You don't like all the uh, the Jesus stuff that he did? Yeah, I, I think Dali's great, but he... When you say hack, what do you mean? Doing it for the fucking money. Okay, yeah. Right? Sure. I mean, who who said was it was it Alexander Pope who said only a, or was it was it Benjamin Franklin? Like only a fool what was what's the line? Like like you would have to be a fool not to write for money. I don't remember the, the exact quote. No idea. Uh, please someone find it later. Samuel Johnson? That sounds like a Samuel Johnson. Yeah, maybe Samuel me. Johnson, yeah. Anyway, we got one more one more comment, Steve. Is it from famed board game designer it Isaac? Isn't. Did he not weigh in on this one? No. So I'm punishing Isaac. Well, I mean, we're going to find out everything he thinks in March at LaRiaCon. Yeah, I'm punishing him. Why? Because... You're putting him in the corner? I, I did a new thing this month. Because because the thing is, I compile the episodes, right? Yeah. Which means I have to go through all the Discord posts, right? Yeah. It's difficult to find the Discord posts sometimes. So I used the functionality on Discord, the thread functionality, which you can start a thread, yeah, right? But- and then every response underneath it is just linked to that thread. So you can then click on the thread and you see every it takes response. You, it takes you out of the channel, though, and I think people just miss it's it. It's specifically... So, all of these... They're in the thread. ...answered on the thread. I didn't see them. Guess who didn't answer on the thread? Famed board game designer Isaac Shalom. Boom. So, if you want to get on the show, answer on the thread. It only counts if it's in the thread now? Yeah. Well, for the show, yeah. I mean, you can go on the hashtag channel and have a chat. You, you are you are a harsh mistress. Well, I was worried that it might not work, but I got eight. There was eighty-one responses on the thread, so I'm like, how many? Eighty-one. Eighty-one responses. Yeah. Do we have eighty-one people in there? No, eighty-one responses. So eighty-one. It was people having conversations and shit. Oh, eighty-one. Okay, I got. It. Anyway, so comments or something. So I'm going to read you this because this is very much in the style of the author. This person certainly has an authorial voice. <laughs> okay. This is from who do you think? CD Hunter. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite. So I don't disagree. I, want, with, I, I agree want, with him. I want you to unpack this statement. <laughs> there is an authorial voice, but it isn't located in the designer. It's located in the critic and the consumer. Is that the whole statement? That's the quote. So firstly, what the fuck does that mean? With all respect. I mean, why didn't he write like ten paragraphs of dense yeah, legalese? He didn't. He didn't actually. That was the quote. That would be that would be more in keeping with his own authorial voice. Um, so I don't get it. I think he's trying to say that there's like no it's such, something that we perceive. It doesn't. Actually we exist. we project authorial voice onto work. I wonder if he was a philosophy major. They they talk about philosophy a lot in the Discord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this could be like um, a philosophical sort of perspective. With all due respect, that does it exist independently of our perception? With all it? due respect, I think that's bollocks. Tell me why. Well, I think I think if you read a Chuck Palahniuk book, yeah, right, the way he constructs sentences 
is I am not imposing that particular cadence and rhythm and use of words that Chuck Palahniuk uses. It, it's there. It is. It is the way he constructs sentences. Right. It, I'm, I'm not just saying. Oh, it sounds the same. I think if you, there are so many distinctive writers and filmmakers. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, fucking, what's his face? What's it, Bob Johnson. Johnny Bobson. <laughs> no, who's the guy who does all the sweepy, sweepy camera movements? That thin, really... thin, thin Red Line guy. Oh, uh, Terrence Malick? Terrence Malick. You're not telling me I'm imposing... Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. You're not telling me I'm imposing a style on that. I mean, it is not imposed by the consumer and the critic. It is, it is instantiated by the artist now. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Mm. I mean, surely it does, but the idea that that is an absolute statement, it's clearly wrong, no? You know, I, probably it's a matter of, of perspective, and these are two, like, irreconcilable points of view. On the one hand, saying that it is objectively the case that these qualities exist in these works independently of any observer, as you can clearly see from the evidence that you just cited, or actually all of these ideas are really just products of our own mind and perception, and they can't possibly exist, like, inherently in the It's the argument that color observing. doesn't exist, right? Color doesn't exist. It's something like that. Because it's actually all I mean, it does. We have like it, receptors. All it, it is right? is a frequency of yeah, rays yeah. coming. Well, off. that is that that is what color is. Well, how we perceive it is a different thing. Right. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. If there's like no way out of. I, don't, I, I don't, tried to. I tried to speak about science then, and I realized halfway through. I don't know what the fuck. I'm <laughs> you, did, about. you did really well though. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a way to like, as I'm saying, reconcile these two points. If you think. Um, well, I think I think one is impossible. I think one is demonstrably false. How do you demonstrate it? By, through reasoned argument like what I just done. Well, I think that um, for the summer party, the 5G4D summer party that C.D. Hunter is throwing in uh, New Zealand. God, God, I'm not sure. Honestly, after the Christmas party, I'm not sure I can he's, deal he's, with it. I know, he's an animal, but if we're going like, to hash this out, we need to like, do it in person. Literally, I went to New Zealand. Yep. And someone just got my liver, put it on a table and just hammered it repeatedly. <laughs> I'm not sure I can deal. Hostess with the mostess. Indeed. So, shall we move on? What are we moving on to? Poster of the month. In an act of willful competition, we present our... Poster of the month! All right, Stevie. You're not allowed to say Uli, because he didn't post. I'm actually thinking it should be Solid Steve. (laughs) Solid Steve didn't post. (laughs) Fucking poster of the millennium. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who compliments you is instantly unvalid... Well, unvalid, that's a un, word. Un, unvalid? Is is not allowed to be poster of the month. Why? Because they've complimented you. It's Ben Maddox's 5G for D. So if they compliment you, then what? Oh, they're poster of the month of my heart. Yeah, because you don't choose poster of the month. No, I choose you do every month. time. Yeah. So I don't have too many options here, do I? You've got loads of options. <clears throat> well, I'm only among the ones that you read out loud on the air. Yeah, right? you got Ufaga, you got Scott Hill, you got Matt Serrated Blade Coach, you got Jim Crim, you got... Oh, that's quite a lot, CD Hunter... Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to... So what is my criteria here? Who you think Poster of the Month is? Okay, so Ufaga was the one where I kind of found some, like, relationship to my... Yeah, and I did the great Stroud accent, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then who's next? Scott Hill was the one who had the list of lads. Right, next. Matt Serrated Blade was the one who said it's more engineering, not design. Yep. Uh, then Jim Krim was the one who said Reiner Knizia doesn't have an authorial voice. Okay. And then C.D. Hunter says it's located in the critic and the consumer. It's funny. I, I feel like I don't really agree with any of them. Right. Or like there's much more to be said, uh, much more to be said on this topic. But I think that uh, Ufaga led to the most voluminous 
uh, conversation between you and I. So I'm going to give poster of the month to Ufaga. Congratulations. That was our poster of the month. All right, so this is the outro. We've been going on far too long, Steve. There's more. I'm going to go through this list. There's more. I'm going to go through this list, and then we'll, we can go out. List of what? What the wrap up the podcast? Stuff. He's let, we're going out. He's letting us out. Yeah. Well, I mean, into the designated exercise square. Oh, okay. I, I like the exercise square. <laughs> all five minutes I get to spend in it. So, first of all, how do people join the Discord, Steve? Um, first of all, you need to imagine yourself. As part of this community. Yeah. And then you are part of that community. Exactly. To practically engage with it, you need to go to 5G4D.com and click on the pinned post at the top yeah. of the page. Well, you don't really need to click on the post. You need to click the link that's in the post. Exactly. Because that link is... Uh, you need to click on the post to find the link, right? You need to click the invite link yeah. in the pinned post at the top of the page. Yeah. It's all plosives here. Yeah. And you'll be redirect. You'll be, you'll be there. Immediately, immediately thrown you, in. You'll be you'll be holding hands with Matt Coates and famed board game designer Isaac Shalev and wrestling Hunter with CD Hunter and, and Cthulhu Matt Dreams and Saga and Cthulhu Dreams. The whole gang is there waiting to welcome you. Excellent. So, also tell them what they should do with regards to ratings and reviews, Steve. Um, you need to find a way to rate and review this podcast. I don't actually know how to do it. Where do you go to rate Got and like review? Got like fucking iTunes and that, isn't yeah, it? But where is iTunes these days? I have no idea. Like, if I'm not an Apple. I'm, these people are probably... Unlike you, I don't want to both, marry Tim Cook. We're both we're both boomers, and I think our listeners are more technologically oh, sophisticated. Tim, can I kiss you, please, Tim? Oh, I love you. I think you're great. Who was that an impression of? Was that an impression? Yeah, it was an impression. I thought that was a recording. No, no, no. It's, the recording would be far more New Jersey than that. I, do you have a recording of me no, saying I anything don't. like that? I wouldn't say anything like that out no. loud. Okay. So, uh, what was the question? How do people rate and review on iTunes? Just figure out how to do it, please. Yeah. Uh, five stars would be great. Leave yeah. a nice comment for Ben. Stroke his ego. Um, I guess he always says if you want to say something horrible about the show, but honestly, if you do, he's going to turn into a like a, a whiny, mopey baby for like the next. Hey, month. listen to the latest battle report. No way, can't take criticism. All right, so how can they support the show in a more financially focused way? Well, you can join me uh, as a patron of the Five Games for Doomsday podcast empire. Yeah. Uh, and go to patreon.com slash 5G for D. That's it. Lovely. And become a patron. If you contribute five euros a month, you get all the content. I think Ben should charge 10 euros a month, but he is generous and wants you to hear the battle reports, our new film show. Yeah. Other stuff. Other stuff. When we go on trips. Your creative writing. Yeah. Um, uh, what do we call that? Uh, 5G for D expeditions yeah 5g for the yeah, expeditions laria khan's coming up soon it's gonna uh-huh. be a lot of lulls don't don't miss it and i i myself am a patron and uh you will never be able to you will never be a patron at the level i'm at i challenge you to try listener so i just want to say thank you to everyone who contributed you make this show this is your show not ours it's not ours no it's theirs can can they make it instead of us then next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll just, can I'll just, them I'll send out some, send I'll s- send them all a mic. Can, can you, please, can you do this for us? I, I can't, I can't keep doing podcast episodes every day. Every fucking day I have to do a new podcast episode. All right, say goodbye, Steve. Karthik, can I go outside now? Without you, this show wouldn't exist. So really, you're to blame. 
So, thank you for listening and oil up your ears for the next Hashtag, Hashtag Channel. Channel.